Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to a special bonus episode of Eat Drink DFW, a weekly food podcast from the Dallas Morning News. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and our food writer Sarah Blaskovich recently held a virtual barbecue roundtable with North Texas barbecue experts who shared their smoked meat secrets. And lots of listeners were able to ask questions live. Joe Zavala, co-owner of Zavala's Barbecue in Grand Prairie, and Lane Milne, co-owner of Goldie's Barbecue in Fort Worth, answered our most burning barbecue questions, along with Chelsea Machuca of Ben E. Keith Foods. Learn how long they smoke their briskets at Zavala's and Goldie's, what equipment they use, and how they're handling the rising costs of meat and supplies. So sit back, put some meat on the smoker, and listen in. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sarah Blaskovich. I'm the food writer for the Dallas Morning News. And I have two awesome people who are going to engage in a delicious discussion today about barbecue. We're going to talk about smoked meat today, and we're going to give you some tips, and we're going to let you ask questions. I would like to introduce our two panelists. We have Joe Zavala of Zavala's Barbecue. Joe owns Zavala's in Grand Prairie with his wife, Kristen, and they've been smoking meat since 2019 and were listed on Texas Monthly's top 50 best barbecue joints. That's the gold standard for barbecue restaurants in the state. It is a list that I use, and I think a lot of people listening use too. Joe has some beloved menu items that I want him to talk about, some stuff at Zavala's that you can't find elsewhere. Uh, a fun fact about his building is that he managed to get the road near Zavala's renamed as Brisket Lane, which I think is a hilarious marketing tool and also a street that uh, I would really like to live on too, Joe. Tell us a couple more things about you. Yeah, you know, I'm born and raised in Grand Prairie. My parents lived three minutes away from the shop. And in high school, actually since middle school, I played the cello all the way through high school. If I had a cello to play right now, probably couldn't do it, but it's a fun Yeah, thing. orchestra kid, I love it. Um, and our other panelist, Lane Milne, is one of five owners of Goldie's Barbecue in Fort Worth. It was named the number one barbecue joint by Texas Monthly and is therefore easily the most sought after barbecue restaurant, certainly in the state, but I would say in the country as well. Before Texas Monthly declared it so great, I visited in February 2021 and kind of lost my mind over this restaurant. I was totally in love with the homemade brioche bread that Lane and his friends make. I was very intrigued by the odd and interesting sausages they were making. I thought the brisket was as good as any I'd had in the region and in the whole state. So the accolade that Goldie's is the best in the state is, is certainly earned. And if you haven't been out there, it's probably because they have very long lines right now. Um, they've actually been open since 2020, uh, which Lane, you can tell us later, is probably a pretty bad time to open a restaurant. It was a, that was a wacky year. But we're going to get into the business of barbecue and the food in just a second. Lane, what else should we know about you? I also was born and raised in Fort Worth, and I also used to play cello in high school. What? Yeah. Stop. So, well, All right. Uh, so there's going to be a band put together after this, and we're going to get you two and any of the other orchestra and band kids. I played the flute, but I don't think that fits. Um, <laughs> There is something about music people, though. I feel like there's a there's a creative piece of both of you that probably maybe sparked your culinary journey. Well, cool, Lane. I'm so glad you're here. And then uh, I want to introduce who's sitting next to Lane. This is Chelsea. She works for Benny Keith. She just happens to be at Goldie's, which is where Lane is sitting right now. So Chelsea, tell us your role in the barbecue world in North Texas. So I work for Benny Keith Foods and I sell food, I sell chemicals, I sell whatever they need. Okay, so both of you guys, you have 
condiments that come from her. You have briskets and turkeys and vegetables and everything else that you buy some of that stuff from her. So it was just a coincidence that Chelsea was around. But when we talk about prices, uh, which I want to talk about in a little bit, anybody listening knows that eating barbecue has never been more expensive. And we want to get into why that is and uh, what might change and not change about that. And so Chelsea, if you'll stick around, I just would love to borrow your brain a little bit with some of those questions. Okay, so we'll start with just a couple of getting to know you questions, guys, and then we'll um, we'll talk about the business of barbecue. Lane, we'll start with you. What got you interested in barbecue and what's, what's your sort of barbecue origin story? So we all moved down to Austin in probably like 2013. And then uh, we had barbecue for the first time and we really liked it. So we just started going around Texas, trying spots and then eventually cooking it at home and then working at barbecue places and then saved up the money to open up our own spot. And if I can interject, when he says they worked at some barbecue places between Lane and his four buddies, they worked at almost every excellent barbecue place I could name in the Austin area. And I'm not kidding. Can you name just a couple of them, Lane? I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, I worked at Micklewaite's Craft Meats and a place called Friedman's. Johnny and Dylan worked at La Barbecue. Johnny worked at Valentina's. Um, and then Jalen also worked at Friedman's. Yeah, so I think uh, you guys are some of the youngest group of pit masters, especially on the Texas monthly list, but also just doing important things in Texas. But it's, it's fascinating that if five of you spend a couple of years working at literally the state's best places and then all come together to serve barbecue, clearly it's working. So um, it's inspiring, Lane. Joe. What got you into barbecue? Yeah, so growing up, my family, our family vacation was going down South Texas and going down there for every quinceanera or wedding or funeral. My dad was always cooking. Back in the 90s, it was great when the Cowboys were winning, right? We're the house there. <laughs> and uh, my dad was always cooking so um in 2015 we bought our house and i wanted that same feeling and having my friends come over i started cooking i made a brisket on fourth of july of 2015 everybody said it was great my best friend said it was the worst thing he ever had yeah i became obsessed with it and trying to figure out how to make a good brisket and then in 2016 uh january 2016 i told the wife we need to pay off our student loans so let's do pre-orders only through social media there's no like risk and uh that's how we got started so does your best friend like your food now um, it's my best friend, TJ. So he does like uh, all the cooking videos that we're in. He's on there. He keeps me humbled. Tough sell, TJ. Uh, okay. At both of your restaurants, correct me if I'm wrong, you're inspired by Central Texas style barbecue. So I'll have you explain a little bit of what that means for your staples, like your brisket. But each of you do really interesting things beyond that. Lane, I'm inspired by the sausage that you make. Joe, I like a lot of the tacos and the Mexican flair that you've got on your menus. Just tell anybody who hasn't been to your place, what are your top sellers? Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think we're known for our sloppy wine because we're always getting judged on how our barbecue looks. So every slice has to look good for the gram. So there's some slices that doesn't look good. So we had to figure out how do we still sell that. So we chop it up, mix it with barbecue sauce and pulled pork, put it in on tortilla. It's five bucks and it's almost close to half a pound. I, I consider it like the Costco hot dog, right? It's like something that I don't ever want to change the price. The people that have been there for a long time, they know to order two extra tortillas so they can make three tacos out of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we really just try to have sauces and pico de gallo because this is something about throwing any kind of piece of meat on a fresh tortilla with pico and salsa really goes a long way. Yeah, and we see a little bit of that or a medium amount of that in Texas, Joe, but it still is different than the Central Texas style, you know, to have a little bit of verde sauce on the table or to have um, a lot of places have tortillas now, but not all of them because the traditional Texas way is that slab of white bread. So it's great to see you taking, you know, sort of your background and then using that with your barbecue. Speaking of bread, Lane, you guys make your own brioche, yeah. which you don't have to do because the barbecue is good enough on its own. 
talk a little about the brioche because I think that's your love child. And then what else you guys do that's interesting? Yeah, so usually we'll shape the bread. We'll bulk rise it for like a day or two and then cold ferment it. And then after that, we'll shape it and then cold ferment it again. So it gets a lot of really bready flavor. Other than that, it's pretty simple. We'll just flour, salt, sugar, pretty straightforward stuff. But nobody else is doing that, Lane. Why are you guys doing that? Um, we tried to make everything as good as possible. So that way it wasn't just like, oh, you just go there to get like one thing. We wanted everything on the tray to be equally as good and equally amazing. So we figured we have to make bread to do that. What else do you think makes Goldie's different? We make all of our sausage from scratch. It's all beef right now. We used to do a different one every week. Uh, we did a hatch sausage, and then we'll probably do like a jalapeno cheese again, which used to be on the menu every day. And for each of you, is brisket number one, if you had to pick a number one uh, top seller? Unfortunately, it is our top seller. Unfortunately, why? Like, I, I feel terrible what we have to charge for brisket. Like, every single thing that goes into the brisket is expensive. That's why, like, why we really try to, you know, have turkey, have sausages to offset the brisket. But, you know, we're in Texas. Everybody wants brisket. So it's also figuring out how do you do brisket sandwiches or brisket tacos or the sloppy wands, different things to make sure that the brisket goes further. So people are still able to get that brisket in Texas. Lane, is brisket number one for you? Yeah, briskets are top seller. And I should say, I eat a lot of brisket around this state. The brisket at both of these restaurants is really good. But if you think about the business behind the restaurant, you know, to Joe's point, you got to figure out how to take that now expensive cut. We should all also remember brisket used to be the worst part of the cow. It was, it was inexpensive. You'd cook it forever in a crock pot or whatever, because it was just, that was an undesirable cut compared to the filet and all the other stuff. Okay. Let's talk about pricing. Cause we've gotten into this a little bit. And Joe, you mentioned you hate what you have to charge for brisket. It's not fun for restaurant owners to not only make less money themselves, but know that they have to pass on the price to the consumer. But we've watched restaurants fail for the last couple of years over not doing this. So as I understand, as, as prices rise, which has nothing to do with you and your business and how you're running it, you either have to raise your prices as well or take a significant cut yourself or close. So consumers, barbecue will be more expensive. I know we've all gone to a great place. You always order more than you need to. And $75 later, you know, you've got some meat and some sides. So Chelsea, let me ask you first, what's the deal with that? Are we seeing rising prices across all cuts of meat? Not necessarily. The biggest jump right now is turkey. So when you see prices go up, that's typically indicates that the supply is tight, right? So it's all about supply and demand. And unfortunately with Turkey, the bird flu earlier this year wiped out millions, tens of millions of turkeys. So the availability and the price right now on turkeys is extremely high. With both Joe and Lane, I went to them and I said, listen, your turkeys went up over a dollar a pound. They adjusted accordingly. Now the conversation that I came here to tell Lane and that I had with Joe this morning <laughs> was that the turkey specifically that they use, we can't get it. It's nothing on our end. This all comes from the turkey suppliers. They don't have the birds to ship. So they're working on a shift right now of how, how we can make that change. It sounds like turkeys are going to be very expensive and that there are fewer of them in general. Uh, what could be a really tricky Thanksgiving. And so, Joe, what do, what do we do if we can't buy smoked turkey either? For, we can't buy, you know, raw turkey from the grocery store or let's say we're the kind of people who buy it from a barbecue place because we got too many other things to do on Thanksgiving. Like what now? 
Yeah, you know, like I was joking with Chelsea this morning that we're probably just going to shut down the whole week. He gave us some alternatives, like prime rib. That's kind of a fancy twist. That could be fun. And some people actually love briskets. People want to do something different than the turkey. But, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm a traditionalist and I want a turkey. So it's going to be really interesting. I think maybe, you know, maybe a Tex-Mex Thanksgiving. Yeah, you have to get creative in times when when it's just going to price people out. Because you also think of the average family that's just going to buy a turkey from the grocery. But it needs to be a fair price because they're, you know, let's say they're feeding 10 people or 20 people, depending on how big they're. Thanksgiving is this could I I imagine there's going to be news stories coming from people like me and our retail writer about this very topic. Now, Lane, what do you think when it comes to turkey? If if you have fewer turkeys, what do we do? What do you make that could be Thanksgiving instead? We'll probably put smoked chicken on the menu. We're excited to do something different. It'll be more fun for us. So we're not too upset right now, but we do love smoked turkey. Now, in general, when it comes to prices, are you finding that across the board, everything is more expensive? I think it's uh, not just food. I think it's our to-go packaging. It's our um, paper towels. I had to ask Chelsea to send us all our compare prices from year to date. I think it was the beginning of August to last August. And I think the lowest thing that uh, rose was like 30%. And because I was looking at my food costs and I'm just like, okay, where can we cut costs? And there was really nowhere. So we just had to pass it on to the consumers as much as we didn't want to. Um, you know, we just try to go as furthest as we can before we pass those uh, costs on. But, you know, even before the pandemic, we never charged for tortillas. Now we have to charge for tortillas. Yeah. We charge for extra salsas. We're like, yeah, here's extra salsa. But, you know, spending close to two, $3,000 on salsa uh, ingredients a month, like it adds up. We have to run a business and want to make sure that we can still be here next year, right? So we have to make sure that we're a viable business. And then you also want to be the place that sells good enough tortillas that people who buy them feel they're worth it. Yes. Every single day, it's education to our customers of what we're serving them, what our product is. Like we utilize 44 Farm Beef out of Cameron, Texas. You know, you're getting the best beef possible and that's why you're paying a premium. Uh, and also like with all of our sauces, you know, it's all fresh ingredients are raw and we're making it in-house. So there's that love that goes into it. I have one more economic question. Um, somebody who's watching David Watkins says, as ranchers are forced to reduce their herds due to cost of hay and feed, will we see a drop in prices of brisket? That's a good question. And I wish I had the answer to tell you accurately. I mean, obviously it starts with the ranch, right? And the feed, but not only that, when it gets to the packing plant too, the increased cost of wages to even find employment to work in these plants. There's a professor at Texas A&M, his name is Dr. Anderson, and he works in the meat science department. And he's somebody I have used as an expert for this topic. He's a meat science economist. And so he has all these graphs about how many head of cattle and, you know, what happened 20 years ago all the way through today. So he might be the best forecaster in the state for this kind of thing. But it's complicated. And I think it's fair to say that eating barbecue is not an inexpensive hobby anymore. Um, and I want to talk a little bit with you both about the hobby of making barbecue at home. So we're not coming to year two restaurants where we knew the food is good and, and consistent. We're going to try to make it at home, which I can speak from personal experience is both risky and expensive. You know, you buy a 12 pound brisket for however much and you turn that thing into a rock in the backyard. That's a bummer when you're then buying Domino's pizza delivery that night, thinking that you were going to feed you know, 20 of your best friends during the football game. Uh, So my husband and I like to make a lot of barbecue. We like to go to a lot of football tailgates. Some of it is good. Some of it is great. A fair amount of it isn't. And so can you give us some tips? Let's talk briskets first. Joe, you told me once, and I will never forget it. You said uh, you can Google how to make a brisket and you can get 90% of the way there. But it's that last 10% that turns my brisket into something that's not restaurant worthy or is restaurant worthy. 
give us a couple tips on that last 10%. I think it's a rest. You know, a lot of people plan their day out because they want to make sure the food's done at seven o'clock so they can feed everybody. So they're like trying to rush it because the timeline never works out, right? I always try to explain to people like, it's okay for the brisket to be done eight, 10 hours beforehand. You can rest it. It's going to be better. Like I truly feel the longer the rest, uh, the better the brisket. Um, but I, I definitely think it's that. And also you can Google, you can learn everything you want and you're going to be able to get there, but you like actually doing it, the different elements of the weather, the temperature, the moisture, like that's that difference that you just like learn by making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And making a lot of notes, right? I remember hearing Aaron Franklin talk. I think maybe everybody's this way now, but it, he was the first person I'd heard be so obsessive about where the heat spots in the smoker were and about exactly how long it took and what, you know, there's there's an hour or a half hour log every day for all of those briskets. And so if you do that for however many years, you learn pretty good about how it works. If you do it for two football games a season, you could go 10 years and still make some pretty bad briskets if you haven't taken copious notes or if you maybe like me, had a bunch of beers while you're doing it. So uh, Lane, what do you think? What are some other things that brisket enthusiasts should know as they're trying to cook at home? I would keep it really simple. Um, don't overthink it and then, uh, just relax. Cause even if it comes out bad, people will still love it. Um, I would say don't like read something and be like, oh, I have to do it this way because somebody told me that, you know, it's going to be different for you. It's going to be different on the smokers. Just take your time. Don't rush the wrap just cause you see somebody wrap let it rest and then slice it right. And it should be looking pretty solid. Can you give us some high level thoughts on the seasoning that goes on the brisket? Are we salt pepper only? Do you do the mustard slather? And if you do that, can you explain to anybody who hasn't tried it? You don't need to give us your recipes, but what goes on the outside of a brisket? I wouldn't really worry about the slather unless you're trimming ahead of time. If you're just okay. taking it right out of the package, it'll be wet enough for the rub to stick. Okay. As far as seasoning goes, like as long as you have salt and pepper and put enough on there, it's going to taste good. You can put more stuff on there, but then you kind of get in a risky territory where you might mess it up. Right now, slather-wise, we just use water. Um, and then seasoning-wise, we use our house-made seasoning salt, 16 mesh pepper, and then some table salt. And you make your own seasoning salt. So yeah. you cook down, I don't know, onions and other stuff and make it into a powder? No, not, we don't go that far. Maybe one day, but... <laughs> It's pretty much just to mix the spices. So it's like okay, turmeric, sugar, paprika, nothing yeah. crazy. Okay, but at Goldie's we're hearing it's not salt and pepper only. You're, you're giving a little bit more personality to the rub on the outside of that brisket. Yeah. I love that. That seems in line with some of your other food too, you know, with the sausage being just a little more, um, not chef-y, but a, a little bit more culinarily um, adventurous maybe. Yeah, we like to have fun with it. And like, we don't hold ourselves like, a strict way of this is how we have to do it. We're constantly changing things, trying to make it better, trying to make it the best we can. Lane, somebody asks, what kind of pepper do you use? Uh, so we get it from Fiesta. We used to get it from Southern Style Spices. I think from Southern Style Spices, we use a 16 mesh. Now I think it's a 12 mesh from Fiesta. I think they're like sizes are slightly different. And then the one at Fiesta is like slightly more peppery than the one we used to get from Southern Style Spices. Which you like better. Yeah, we like a little bit of pepper on there. Joe, what do you think? Uh, because we're seasoning outside in the wintertime, we do have to use some kind of slather. So we use uh, Tabasco Chipotle uh, mixed with water during the wintertime. Just mm. to but during the summertime, it's wet, so everything will stick on it. We actually use four cups of 12 mesh black pepper. So we use really thick black pepper to one cup of kosher salt. Very yeah. pepper forward. And we try to cover the brisket completely 
up top in the sides where you don't you're not able to see the meat on the bottom we barely put any seasoning because it's going to fall off anyways so you really get a really thick bark uh from all that 12 mesh black pepper that we use and it actually mellows out um with all the smoke that goes into it good tips another question from andy after the brisket rests how do you maintain a nice thick crispy bark I cheat a little bit because I want our briskets to be done quicker. So we actually wrap in foil for the last part of the cook and crank up the heat. But in Not heat, in pink paper or butcher paper. Well, crank up the heat to finish the cook off um, and get it nice and tender. And right after it's done, we pull it off and then we do wrap it in butcher paper to bring that bark back. And we let it cool down for about an hour or two hours during the summertime. Uh, Winter time is probably like 30 to 45 minutes because it's so cold outside. Okay, Lane, do you do that a little differently? Yeah, so we don't wrap until the briskets are done. But as far as trying to maintain a crispier bark, I would probably let it rest uncovered before you slice it so that way it doesn't steam. Or if you rested, if you wrapped it and you're resting it and you want it crispier, you could throw it back on the pit for a little bit to let it firm back up. Um, but as far as it's staying crispy, like in the paper or foil, it's kind of tricky, but I think unwrapped is probably your best bet. Okay, good. And I want to go back. There's a question, what temp and how long do you smoke or cook a brisket? You both could write a book on this, so I'm not really going to ask you to talk through that, but can we do big generalizations? Do you do an hour per pound in the smoker about? We use uh, small briskets uh, after trimmed. It's probably between 10 to 12 pounds. Typically, our briskets go unwrapped for about nine to 10 hours, and then we wrap it for two to three hours. Wintertime, it goes a little longer because it just needs more heat. So yeah, it comes out to about an hour, hour 15 a pound. Yeah, okay, so you're, you're cooking a 12-pound brisket. You're, you're cooking for at least 12 hours, and that's hands-on time, not sleeping. Not sleeping. Lane, is that, about, is that a fair generalization? So we kind of start ours a little lower and just gradually bring it up. And as the brisket gets hotter, we bump up the temperature so we'll start off around 200 and finish around 300. And we like getting the higher heat because it helps make the fat cap really rendered and that helps make it mm-hmm. taste really good. It's probably 10 hours on a good day, 14 hours on a day where I'm like, oh, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, of course. What kind of smokers do each of you use, Lane? Uh, we have a mill scale. And then I think I'm saying it right, but it's an MM barbecue company rotisserie thing. Yeah. And we use that for the pork ribs. Okay, Joe. So we have two El Cucarachas, we have one AJ, and then we just got a mill scale back in April. Interesting that neither of you use just like all the same stuff. It makes it fun, right? Every pit's different. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's why all these people are listening to this chat really is like, I don't think it would be near as exciting as if, you know, you knew that you could fail at any time or that your, even your mechanism, your fire could not be hot enough. You could have a hot spot in your smoker that you don't know is there until you mess it up. For example, uh, Lane just got us connected with a person who comes cleans our pits and our stack hasn't been cleaned in a while. And he's like, man, there was so much soot in there. So jokingly, I'm like, all the team's got to relearn how to use the smokers because it's just going to flow so much better. Joe, Jeff Helm, who's listening, uh, just wants to say that he loves how he can smell the smoke throughout downtown Grand Prairie. He doesn't live far from Zavala's. So if anybody's down in, in Grand Prairie or driving down Dick Price Road where Goldie's is, you start to smell that smoke. And um, for me, someone who travels anywhere for barbecue, and that's like happiness in a smell, right? I want to ask each of you your best and your busiest days, best day to come, worst day to come when it comes to standing in line. Wayne? I think Saturday is probably the busiest day. And then Sunday, now that like football is going on, I think that'll be maybe a more mellow day. 
there aren't people getting here quite as early. Like every once in a while, a few people get here super early. But if you get here around nine, like most of the line's shaded <laughs> and it's not that bad. We have waters, we have chairs outside. So it's kind of nice out there. You get to watch everyone cook all the barbecue. Totally. And you both open at 11, right? Yeah. Okay, and then Joe, tell us your hours are funny. Tell us what days you're open and, and when. We are open Thursday, Friday, Saturday from 11 to four, but we're gonna bring back fajita night. Uh, so we'll be open later on Thursday and Fridays. Um, and then the wife runs a coffee shop Tuesday through Saturday from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. where we have breakfast tacos and uh, coffee. Yeah, Joe, a really smart way to use a space and it got too popular. So now you're building her, her own coffee shop behind the restaurant, but you know, breakfast tacos, some with barbecue which came from your business and coffee just makes so much sense on the days when you're not doing barbecue. It's, um, and I loved a story that Daniel Vaughn wrote recently about the coffee barbecue connection. It makes sense to me that a place who cares so much about the craft of smoked meat might care so much about the craft of roasted coffee beans and then the craft of making the perfect cup of coffee or the perfect latte. It like, those make sense together. And you are one example of lots of places in Texas that are getting into the coffee game. It's cool. It's been a fun ride. Okay, and either of you can take this question. Explain for anybody uh, annoyed by the idea that you sell out of barbecue, right? Like, why can't you just be like Chili's to where if I want to go and get chicken crispers any time of day, you have them and I can have them right away. Explain to me why that doesn't work. Our restaurant, we literally have no more space to cook any more food. And we usually go until... We can't go anymore. We're out of food. We have no more smoker space. All the fridges are filled up. Our fridge fell over yesterday. Oh no. And we bought a new fridge. So we're literally maxed out on space and we're maxed out on electricity. Is that same answer for you, Joe? I know your kitchen is also tiny. Yeah, but you know, like uh, Chelsea knows, I just say yes to everything, right? That's why I just keep on buying smokers. Like, and we just figure it out. Unlike Goldie's, like we don't have those long lines. I would say 80% of our business is Grand Prairie. Um, so we're really feeding our community. And that's why, you know, we try to expand outside of barbecue and do fajitas or do burgers because there's only so much barbecue people can eat. So do you have different alternatives for them to be able to have? Because, you know, you still got to have revenue coming in so we can pay our employees and, you know, try to keep on growing. Yeah. And I think I'll add, tell me if this is right too, that prices are high and you buy a certain number of briskets and smoke them that day. So you run out of briskets. It's not like, oh, let me go fry some in the back. You're like, I'll have some ready for you in 13 and a half hours. And we're not open in 13 and a half hours because that's middle of the night or whatever. So I think that's another just logistical piece of it that uh, may be obvious if you've been around barbecue, but maybe not so is if, if there aren't smoked briskets ready, if the ribs take three or four hours, it's that long until there's more. The Goldies just had a great video came up last Friday, I think, that really shows what it means to own a barbecue joint. Because like my team is at the restaurant right now trimming all our briskets. And then tomorrow they're making all the sides and all the sauces, right? So then they can focus on cooking and serving Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, because if you were having to do all that stuff while you're cooking and serving, there's just no way you can do it. So they'll be up there for... The next seven hours, trimming all the briskets, trimming all the ribs, making all the sausage. And uh, in that video that, that Goldie's had, it shows it perfectly. There, there are a couple of fun comments I just want to mention here, and then we'll go on to a new question. Katie O'Neill uh, just wants everyone to know that they should get over it if they don't like to stand in line and or uh, if you're sold out. So I, I like that attitude, too. The waiting is sort of part of this love and hate of barbecue. It's a culture piece of it that I have lived intimately. And it sounds like Katie has too. And then Philip B, he says, maybe the price of barbecue is not high enough. Uh, supply meets demand. I'll say this about our line. And I think Lane will probably agree. 
I tell our team, this is literally an experience for them. So they want to have a conversation. Everybody gets a minute, 32 minutes. I want to make sure that they feel this is the whole experience because we're starting to have people travel all through Texas, but we had somebody literally two weeks ago fly in from Florida or Miami, Florida, just because they saw us on Instagram, eat and we're flying back out. I'm like, yes. are you kidding me? And uh, she's like, no. And it was like the coolest thing ever. So it's like things like that. It's like, that is a reason why we want to make sure everybody gets that full experience. And if they want to sit and have a conversation for a minute 30, we're going to have that conversation with them. Like, it's okay. Okay. Let's get off of brisket for just a second. Cause somebody has a good question if they can't eat beef and you're going to give like a second favorite thing to either order at your restaurant or try to make it home what's that non-beef recommendation i love our turkey that's the only thing my son eats he eats turkey tacos <laughs> lane i would say uh goldie's chicken this weekend um okay we've got a couple of questions arl cores wants to know what kind of wood you use when you smoke your meat lane if you'll go first yeah we use post oak wood only right now it's a uh, kiln dried. They measure it while they bake it out. So it's the exact same every time. Yeah. Okay. And you use post oak for everything. Yeah. Okay. It's Joe. So we do uh, post oak about 85% of the time. And then every 15% we throw a pecan in there just because I like how it smells. And that's what my dad used. Yeah. So you've got a little bit of a mix. Somebody else was asking about, oh, Somebody just asked me what beer am I drinking? This is Topo Chico, you guys. I wish I could tell you I was drinking beer on this. That would be like a, that would be a serious baller move as I'm working all day. It's just Topo. Um, okay, we've got, you guys, we have so many questions. What grade of beef do you use and does it make a difference? We use Creekstone Choice and Creekstone Choice is like pretty much everybody else's prime. And we have a really close relationship with them. So we use 44 Farm. Uh, it's upper two-thirds choice, and every once in a while we get prime from them, but their upper two-thirds choice is prime. And I just tell people the higher the grade is, the, it just look at it as insurance. It's uh, less room to screw up your brisket because it has all that uh, beautiful marbling inside of it. You know, um, Texas A&M has a bunch of barbecue camps um, that they do with Foodways Texas, and it's really hard to get a seat. So I'm not here to say that you should just like sign up tomorrow. It's is a lottery system and it's the whole thing. But if you can get in, like I have twice now, it is a really special experience. And um, I'm sure one or both of you guys have been either, you know, to eat or to present or both. If you're into Texas barbecue, it's one of the best ways to get deep into Texas barbecue. But I did a blind tasting at one of them where they, um, they smoked different grades of brisket and they made sure that the conditions were otherwise exactly the same so that, you know, because there's always some variables here and you don't want to get thrown off. And my husband and I um, both liked the highest cut of beef blindfolded. So we were like, gosh, darn it. It's worth paying the extra, at least in our house, because we thought we could tell the difference. I'm usually not a fan of buying the highest priced anything, but that was one of those <laughs> unfortunate outliers for our family, because now we're always looking for the expensive brisket. Okay, other than brisket and ribs, what are your favorite beef cuts for smoking? Joe? Beef cheek. Uh, we do beef cheek. Uh, and then the last like month, uh, every Saturday morning, I make me three uh, beef cheek tacos with some pico de gallo and green sauce. It's a good way to start a Saturday. Sure sounds like it. Lane? Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of what other beef cuts besides like short ribs, but we've been playing around doing like a Kansas City brisket. So that's fun. Like we'll separate the point and the flat and we'll cook the flat all the way to tenderness. And then the point will cook that till it's tender rest it down, slice it up and put some sauce on there and cook it again. So that's been really fun messing around with. Um, Whoa, let me go back. So Kansas City brisket refers to both the way you trim it and then the sauce thing at the end? I think some people like keep it whole and then separate it after it's cooked. 
Um, okay. I like to separate on both at the same time. That way I can get more rub on there and get more smoke. Um, but as far as like, I think they put like a little bit of different seasonings and then they do like hickory wood. Fun. This is, reminds me of when like Rhode Island style pizza showed up in Dallas and we were like, hold the phone. What is that? Yeah. Like Kansas City style brisket. I'm sure people in Kansas City are rolling their eyes at me. Although I did go to school there and I don't remember this. Um, <laughs> now, now I need to know more about that and more about people here trying, you know, their style of brisket here. I love that. On Kansas City, they like run it over a meat slicer. I can't get myself to do that yet, but we've uh -huh. been slicing it like normal. But it's been tasting really good. We've been messing around with like pork ribs and whatnot too. Wait, so after the brisket is cooked, they hold it in like the deli slicer and like get you these? Yeah. Oh my, good I to know. I think they take it as far to tenderness as people do in Texas. So that way you can run it on the deli slicer. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's a little firmer and easier to run by that blade. Okay, that makes sense. What do people eat at your restaurants, guys, when they are vegetarian? Um, or jalapeno cheese hominy or a spicy coleslaw with the tortilla. I think that's the only stuff that we have. Lane? All of our sides except the beans and uh, hash are vegetarian. Oh, okay. And so what are some of those sides? Uh, so we do a coleslaw, potato salad, grits, pudding, bread pudding on Sundays, and then bread, pickles, onions. If we had like more people asking for it, we would do a smoked vegetarian option. I just think out here it'd be like maybe one out of like a hundred people, maybe. You'd need to get on some kind of message board and say like today I'm smoking cauliflower or whatever mm -hmm. it is that you smoke and then have a bunch of people show up. Uh, Friedman's we used to do like smoked beets and that was really good. Yeah, that's that's a that's a cool idea. Joe, I want to go back to hominy for a second. Tell me why you cook hominy and why you like it. So growing up, my I was always hungry. My mom was like, just open a can of hominy, put some butter in there, and put it in the microwave. And that's what we ate. So as you know, our restaurant's really small, so we have to do everything in the smoker. So we're like thinking of sides. <clears throat> These makes everything better. Throw some jalapeno and we'll just smoke it. And it came out good and people love it. People think it's mac and cheese all the time. We're like, no, it's hominy. And do you do mac too, Joe? Or is that your mac replacement? That's our mac replacement. Aha, that's major. Okay, uh, when you're not at a restaurant, guys, where do you like to eat? Or when you're not at your restaurant? Um, Joe? My happy place is Uchi. Uh, the Beverly Dallas, absolutely love that. Um, and the Meridian, those are like my three right now. Okay, so for anybody listening, let's break those apart. Uchi is a Japanese restaurant in Uptown. It originated in Austin um, by a Texas chef and has grown to other Texas cities, including Dallas. Beverly's is on Fitzhugh Avenue in Dallas and is a um, an American restaurant that has a little bit of uh, New York Jewish style inspiration, which is very cool. You can find a couple of dishes there that you can't find elsewhere. The atmosphere in there is really lively. And then Meridian is a Brazilian-American restaurant just off of 75 and Caruth uh, Haven, just north of Mockingbird. Yeah, good ones. Sounds like those are date night spots for you, Joe, and your wife? Yes. Lane, where do you like? I think my favorite restaurant in Dallas is probably Crabble. I went to Fatouche. If I'm saying it right, yesterday, it's like Mediterranean Iraqi style. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, like barbecue. I went to Slow Bone yesterday. Barbecue guy eating somebody else's barbecue. I like that. Um, so Slowbone is in the design district for anybody listening. Been there for a little while. In addition to being known for its barbecue, they make pretty damn good fried chicken. The place also seems really accessible, right? Like line is not super long, but food is always good. Lane, tell us about Barb's BQ. So that's uh, one of the pit masters. Her name's Chuck. Uh, she does a lot of Goldies and she's working on opening a spot out in Lockhart. Yeah, she is a fun, Chuck is a fun follow on Instagram, Barb's, B-A-R-B-S-B-Q, I think. 
that collaboration was cool to see Lane when Chuck started cooking with y'all, but I know, you know, has plans to do something in, you know, the Texas barbecue Mecca of Lockhart. And then you mentioned Cry Wolf in East Dallas, which is a newish kind of esoteric uh, restaurant with a really fun chef's counter. And what's, oh, Fatouche, you said, um, in Dallas. Where is that? I want to, I know that people listening are actually maybe going to go to some of these places. It's in Arlington, kind of like maybe Pantigo. Cool. It's yeah, like that's a, Mediterranean Lebanese food, right? Corner of like a strip mall and it's really good. Okay, this is the last question for you guys. And thank you so much for everybody listening. We had dozens of questions. Um, the, the last question is, if you could just give one tip to somebody ordering at a barbecue place, you know, maybe the best thing to order or how to order or cues on the menu or something that will help them make good choices. What, what are your ordering tips, Joe? That's the thing that we try to tell people all the time is we ask them questions like we can help guide you, like give us like what you're really thinking about so we can guide you what you want. But, you know, always tell people a half a pound total meat is probably all you need for an individual and Mm -hmm. barbecue joints, they weigh it out. So if you really wanted to, you can ask for one slice of everything and you get to try everything. So it's totally fine. You don't have to order a half a pound or a pound of each meat. And what I'm hearing too, Joe, is that it's like totally cool to go up to the counter and like ask a few questions before you order, even though there are. 18 people behind you who have their thing written on their phone and are ready the second it's okay to talk for 30 seconds yeah you know we give out samples all the time like you know like we we're really proud of our turkey but we don't have turkey anymore we're like hey we'll throw extra slice on there we'll give you samples so you can try it out um yeah okay maybe don't be worried to ask for a sample either like i want all this stuff can i just try one burnt end or can i try a little turkey and then oh i love that i'm gonna get some Turkey was a bad example. Don't love it because you can't get some, (laughs) as we just learned today. Lane, what suggestions do you have? I would say ask as many questions. Usually somebody comes by when you're in line and they'll kind of guide you through anything. And I would say like, don't over order it unless you come with a big group, like get a little bit of everything. That way you can try it all and see what your favorites are for next time you come. I like trying everything when I go to places. And I think the best way to enjoy Goldie's is trying a little bit of everything, honestly. Chelsea, do you have any tips as a probably avid barbecue eater? Order the Chelsea grits at Goldie's. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite. And I'm really excited about Zavala's bringing back fajita night. Chelsea never comes to eat at Goldie's. I was here like two weeks ago. She never comes to Zavala's either. Chelsea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea you got some eating to do. I do plenty. I do plenty. I assure you. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody. This has been such a treat. We have Chelsea from Benny Keith who popped in and had no idea she was going to be on this call today. We have Lane Milne, who's one of five owners of Goldie's Barbecue in Fort Worth. And we have Joe Zavala, the co-owner of Zavala's Barbecue in Grand Prairie. I'm Sarah Blaskovich, the food writer for the Dallas Morning News. We will have more of these. Barbecue happens to be a passion point of mine, so I'm always pushing that we should talk about barbecue. But we talk about all kinds of things on dallasnews.com slash food. And we also have a new podcast called Eat, Drink, DFW, and we will be pulling pieces of this and using it on our podcast and so many other topics. So I hope everybody will listen to our podcast too, because it's a good way to kind of get in the minds of us and the people we get to talk to like Lane and Joe every day. So thank you again. This is so much fun. Um, And I didn't eat during this, so I'm starving now. I hope we made everybody else hungry for more and y'all have a great day. Thank you. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food.
If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipes reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Wow, that was really fun and I learned so much. Thank you, Joe and Lane, for taking the time to explain your processes and answer our listener questions. Want even more barbecue coverage? Visit dallasnews.com slash food. Eat Drink DFW is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening. Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.